powers that man has ever seen. It's the time when Satan's fury and his demons will have full ravage of the world. It'll be a time when unparalleled wickedness will take place as the Holy Spirit removes his restraining influence from people's minds. It's going to take a place when the Antichrist will have his worldwide reign and great terror will come occurring alongside the outpouring of God's judgment on mankind and the wrath that will take place during those days. This we know based on the description that I've given you in just these past few moments is the time of the tribulation period. The time after the church will be raptured into glory and where man is left here on earth, but God is going to use the nation of Israel to bring about 144,000 evangelists. These evangelists will be given the ability and opportunity not only to proclaim the truth to their own countrymen, but also to the Gentile world. This is going to be a time where the message is going to be clear, but it'll also be coming through a time where it's not as easy to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as it has been through these years. This is going to come at a time where the mark and the label of those who are following the Antichrist will be given to those, and and those who refuse will be clearly identified and known. But this is going to be a moment that in time of history, where it's recorded in Revelation chapter 7, that these 144,000 Jews that God uses to make a great impact with the gospel to see multitudes of people come to know Jesus Christ, that we can't even count them. And so as we look at our text tonight in Revelation chapter 9, you'd say, how does all of this piece together with these spiritual friendships? And that's a really good question I'm wondering myself. No, not really. Um, We're going to bring it all into into connection here. In Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9, John is, is here in, of course, the book of Revelation, though we don't have time for a full recap. We know that he is on the Isle of Patmos in exile, alone. He's the last of the 12 who has not yet been martyred. He is remaining and sees this great vision, documents the words, gives it to us now as the book of Revelation. And this becomes yet another vision that he sees. And so when we come to verse number 9 of chapter 7, after this, after this one vision of 144,000 Jews that God will call out, 12,000 from every tribe, and use those 144,000, he says, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, they stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. They cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. They said, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful verse there, verse 12. Verse 13, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Well, I said unto him, well, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Tonight, we partner alongside of John to see this great vision and the descriptions that he gives. And we're seeing kind of how does this relate to these spiritual friendships? Well, this picture of the great multitude that is innumerable gathered around the throne of God worshiping him shows 
as verse number nine gives us, a kindred of every nation, kindred, people, and tongues standing before. So it's really important for us to understand in the study of spiritual friendships that diversity is something that happens very naturally within the family of God. This diversity is crucial, it's important, and so I want us to kind of study a little bit about that tonight. Now remember, in verse number 9 and 10, these people that are being gathered there at the throne and worshiping are those Gentiles who have been saved through faith during the tribulation. And so this is not the same 144,000 that are recorded in verse 1 through 8, because that was a number that had a beginning and end to be able to calculate and to, to figure. This is going to be a great multitude of people who are saved through the tribulation period. And uh, so let's look a little bit tonight into the diversity and what it teaches about spiritual friendships. Let's pray. Father, we again ask for your wisdom tonight. I thank you for a church family eager to grow together and to learn together. And as we look to our own lives in a very practical way of developing spiritual friendships, I would pray that tonight would be of a help to us that as we follow this model of heaven, looking at these healthy relationship, these healthy relationships that, that it teaches us that we must make room for diversity. And so as we study that together tonight, would you guide us with your thoughts in Jesus' name? Amen. Now, we understand that with these type of spiritual relationships, these spiritual friendships, the diversity is going to enrich us with these relationships. They help us to improve the quality of our relationship. And when we look at this diversity, the text is going to tell us several things by which I think are good lessons for us to learn. The first thing in verse number nine is that differences don't have to divide our friendship. In verse number nine, after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and all kindreds and all people and all tongues, they stood before the throne. So the differences that we have don't have to divide us. David Lastly, when he teaches his class through the book of Revelation, he and I were having a quick conversation this afternoon and gave us this thought. It's important that we do not that people do not lose their cultural identity, identity when they become Christians. Um, this is certainly apparent as you have the privilege to meet people from different cultural backgrounds. There's going to be a lot of differences by which we were raised, the homes that we came from, the, the, the schools that we attended, the studies that we've had, or what we've kind of set out as our path for biblical standards and biblical principles by which we live by. Now, we know, certainly studying the Jehovah's Witnesses tonight, it gives us a refresher and a reminder that there are essential doctrines by which we need to stand on and we believe firmly in and we don't waver from those things. It's also important that we as biblicists understand what those things are. Remember, we're going to die for that name of being a Bible follower. We will, we will fanatically follow Jesus Christ. We will not back away from the truths that are taught in his word. They become our passion, they become our fuel, they become our foundation, and they become our motivation for why we do what we do. And if we don't know why we believe that or how we believe that or what it really means, we're going to find that maybe differences will come and we'll fanatically stand for something, but we don't know why we stand for it. You know, emotional, healthy, um, healthy emotions is a really important element to a healthy church. 
We all have that gift of emotions for things that are good, things that are bad. We learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But we also also have to understand that within our own heart, the emotions cannot govern us and control us. So we bring those emotions into control. So if there's ever a difference, and if you, if you don't think that you're an emotional person, then just test yourself by having a conversation with somebody who believes a little differently about something than you do. Maybe it's about a, a football team, or maybe it's about a favorite food, or maybe a restaurant, or a car, a kind of vehicle that's the most powerful. Maybe it's a vacation spot. How many of you want to go to the mountains for vacation? How many of you want to go to the beach for vacation? How many of you want to stay at home for vacation? All right? So we all have different things that, are, that we're driven by that we're attached to. But in, the, in, in God's world, in God's family, we know that these differences don't have to divide us. When I think back at this passage of Scripture, John is describing this vision of heaven, and he emphasizes the diversity of this crowd. There is reason why he gives us this diversity. There is a purpose for why he says that you could not number these people, and they were coming from every nation, kindred people, and tongues. And they stood with differences, but those differences did not divide them. And they were saying, as from every tongue, that they were in unison together about something very important. When I think back at some of the opportunities that I've had to travel to different countries with mission trips or preaching at a Bible conference, or whatever it was of the opportunity, I think back and I can just picture all of the different places that I worshiped with God's people. I think about in Panama when we were in the uh, jungles uh, doing soccer clinics and feeding off of the river and sleeping out under the stars. And I remember the little pavilion that we would sit and I would proclaim the gospel to a people who had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. But then I also remember rubbing shoulders with people in that tribe or in that community who did know Jesus Christ. And when you had conversation with them, though they did not have the niceties that I was used to, they still had an overwhelming joy because we had a common bond of Jesus. I remember in Togo, West Africa, sitting in the gazebo under the hot sun of February weather there. And I remember sitting and listening to the singing as they would lift their voices and proclaiming in their French dialect. And as they would sing these songs, I didn't know what we were singing. I knew the tune, and I was trying to keep up with my English text, but it didn't take me long to just be moved to silence by looking at the faces of people in Togo who, in unison together, a common bond. Culturally different, expectations completely different. I didn't necessarily hope that I could bring back the vision and idea to, to Parkway that we could maybe just sit on some homemade benches for our church service or that we could have an open gazebo to be able to do our church or that the kids program would happen maybe 40 feet over in the dirt and stones as they listen to their Bible story. Though those weren't the ideal visions for me, I was able to partner alongside people who claim the name of Jesus Christ and whose lives have been transformed. Their cultural differences are different from mine, but we can be in unison together. The list could go on from Mexico and Dominica, Dominican Republic and Brazil, even Canadians as we took a mission trip to Canada. So many things that are just different in how we do worship and how we do the Christian walk. And secondly, though, we would see here that uh, 
I believe in verse number 10, we see that unity can define our friendship. It's an interesting point that in verse number 10, that John chose to use the singular word voice as they cried out in worship. Did you see that? They cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God. The unity was there. It wasn't that they, they sang with different voices. It was that together they worshiped God. So the unity can define us. Apart from as a church family, we know that unity is important in spiritual friendships. Now remember, this is the whole topic tonight, spiritual friendship. So differences in our friendships do not have to divide us. There's a lot of things that I, I see differently with some other people, not essential doctrines, but there are different ways. I've got some friends here in the community that worship different than I worship, but they worship the same God. I've got friends who I interact with on a very regular basis who maybe have some different biblical standards or biblical principles by which they raise their home or govern their life by. But again, we come back together in unity on the essential truths of God's word. So here in our spiritual relationships and our spiritual friendships, though there are differences, we can be defined by the things that we are unified in. They were coming from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, culturally different from one another, but they were unified with one voice on one God. I think that's why it's really important here for us to understand why it's a pretty big deal about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because as we read through some of their New World Translation, we would think, okay, well, there's some things that are similar. But the reality is, is they do not have a unified one God. If they don't want to allow Jesus to be God in their belief system, well, that's a major problem. If they don't want the Holy Spirit to be a person and they don't want him to be a part of the Trinity and be God himself in the third person, that's a major problem. So those things do not unify us. And there are also differences that cannot keep us together but cause us to separate. So be wise, be discerning in the things that you would find with your spiritual friendships. In 1627 or around 1627, the German theologian uh, Maldinius, he said this, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. I think it'd be important for us to learn to put some of that into practice. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now, there are essential things that Christians must agree on. There are things that we know to be true from God's word that are black and white, and there is no way to waver away from that. And so we find our unity in that. There are non-essential beliefs that can vary from one generation to another, that that's where we have to learn a little bit of flexibility. But you're going to find that you're a part of a church family as well as a part of spiritual friendships that are not taking the essentials and trying to waver from them. If there's any time where you would hear something from the pulpit or in the classroom being taught through your connection class that would go against the truths of God's word, that per certainly perks us up. It causes us to have some thought and question. But we would see that here with the singular voice together, one God, one voice worshiping him. The third thing that we learned here also is that family can describe our friendships. 
In verse number 10, they cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God. This was a family gathered around the throne of God that day. The vision that John saw with all of those that had been saved during the tribulation period is now gathered to worship in peace and protection. These are people who have seen darker days than we will ever see. These are people who had to take a stand for righteousness bigger than we ever will. These are people who have survived something so great and yet have done it with a perfect peace that has now brought them as a family to the throne of God. How can they not respond any differently than to lift their voices in great adoration and worship? In verse number 12, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. This experience for these people is not just one small moment that John saw that will not happen again. As they said, this will be forever, something that they will continue to be a participant in. And so that's why we have to be reminded not only as a church family, but as believers in Christ with spiritual friendships and spiritual relationships that we're a family. We're together and we're going to plug away together. Guess what? We get to spend eternity together. I don't know if we'll crisscross or what we're going to do in heaven. Um, I'm not sure how everything will fall into place, but I know that I'll spend eternity with you. Um, and I know there's, I'm going to spend eternity with some people that I don't really like. Now, that's not you. I'm just talking like there's other people out there. And I think that's important for you to remember as well. That helps us to see some of these things, that differences can't define, divide us, and that um, unity can define us. So Galatians chapter 6, I want you to turn there just for a quick second. Galatians has been a really powerful study for our Wednesday night group, and we're coming on to the last one this next Wednesday. It'll complete our 20-part series of Galatians. And as we looked at Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through 10 this week, we didn't really get a chance to talk about verse 10 as much. And in my study for tonight, it was brought really to my attention by the Holy Spirit that this verse 10 helps us with this thought of family can describe us. As he's writing to these new Christians in Galatia, and giving them words of help and wisdom with his final warning in verse 6 through 10 and his final invitation in verses 11 through 18. He comes to 10 and he says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, we know the horror stories of the household of faith. We know that some churches have been fighting for many years, some who don't survive the fight and divide, some who disband and really just disintegrate, some churches who really never bounce back after the hurts, some who are not able to move past the arguments, the fights, and the, in essence, pride that was brought into the church. And here Paul is giving this fair warning to the Galatian Christians, and when he says for us to do good unto all men... This really is a sweeping and comprehensive description in its simplicity. Because when he's saying for us to do good unto all men, it's just that very thing. It is looking to see how God would use me as an extension of his grace and as a messenger of his love 
to show good to all people. And then he says, especially in the household of faith. I, I think there's really no excuse for any church to be at odds with one another. If a pastor shepherd cannot keep a church moving together in a unified spirit in the same direction, something is happening. And, and I don't want to stand and, and just take for granted what we have here at Parkway because as, as we've had the privilege to partner with the Richardsons back in 12 and then co-pastor in 13 and 14 and then be given the privilege to, to shepherd in, in 2015, it has been something that we have seen as a unified body of believers that have moved forward together. Hiccups along the way, sure. Confrontations that we've had to have when people have barked a little too loud about things that were immaterial and very divisive, yeah, we've had to have those conversations. But the truth is, is that as a unified body of believers, I just would not have had any desire to come and be a part of this if that had not been the very foundation moving forward. And so we are now reaping those benefits together because we rally together on common bonds as a family. We build personal, spiritual relationships with one another away from the four doors of this building as we go out as the church into the community, and we're just simply a family doing life together. Somebody called today whose car exploded with their radiator and and now not able to be here tonight and trying to find some answers. And a church member has, has offered a, a ride to school tomorrow and a vehicle. Another family has offered a vehicle until the time can be that that individual can get that radiator taken place. And by the way, it's not the faithful Toyota Sequoia that blew up, all right? <laughs> that thing will move on forward, knock on whatever this is, all right? But secondly, in this passage, the words do good shows that we are to give them what love deems best for them in that situation. I think we would do well in our spiritual relationships to quit jumping to harsh conclusions and be willing to patiently walk through some hard moments with people. That we would give them over to the Lord more regularly in prayer and then that God would use our words as iron sharpening iron or our kisses that wound a friend, book of Proverbs, so maybe sometimes we just need to be a little bit more patient as we navigate through these relationships. Also, sometimes we can't jump to harsh conclusions because we are here to do good unto all men through God's grace and with his love, being guided by that, as he wrote, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, if you can't find a good, strong, solid spiritual relationship within your church family then why be a part of that family? And that's not to say that we won't have extensions away from this because we just will. Uh, certainly living in a God city like we do, there's plenty of people out there that we build friendships with. There's plenty of people that we wish they could be alongside of us at church on Sunday, but they have the church that they go to. But in building those friendships and relationships, it's important that diversity will span across every element to take us to new heights and levels. This, our church community, our individual relationships, our ministry partnerships, they should include people with different cultural backgrounds, with different nationalities, with different skin colors, with different uh, parts of what they bring to the body of Christ. 
And if we ever become a church that shies away from that, which unfortunately, by the way, there, is, there are plenty of churches like that. But I'm thankful that this church pushes far away from that mentality. As when you see an individual out in the community, you see somebody in your neighborhood, you see them as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. Well, Revelation chapter 7, there's a lot to this text in, in context to what John is seeing. But I like how we can just come alongside to what took place there after the tribulation period, the Christians who were brought to that throne, and we see. Now, unfortunately, we don't get to be a part of that experience, but there's going to be so much more that we'll get to be a part of. And I'm thankful as God's church and as God's people, we're going to be represented by all nations, all tongues, and all kindred and all people. And so as we one day will worship around the throne room of God, I look forward to being in those spiritual relationships and friendships. This week, look to see how you take that next step. Look to see how you can begin to develop or continue to develop that. By the way, diversity here means that um, it may be somebody that uh, has kids or no kids. It may be somebody younger than you or somebody that's older than you. It might be somebody that comes from the same cultural background as you or somebody that doesn't. So there's a lot of things that what diversity means, and that's why that diversity has become a core value of Parkway, is that we don't get into our little cliques of us four and no more. We don't just get into our own little comfort zones and think, this is all I need, but we're always looking to extend to do good to all people, especially those who are in the household of faith. This week, let's go out and continue to build these spiritual friendships. Father, thank you that uh, differences don't have to divide us. And I know that even represented in this room tonight, there are just cultural background differences. There are, are so many different ways of how we grew up and the things that we learned and places we've been and experiences that we have. And so those differences do not have to divide us. And I'm thankful that unity defines us and brings us to a place where we have unified together with one voice, with one message, with one God. We take our focus and make it gospel-centered. And then, Father, I thank you for a family. I love being a part of a family that is moving in the right direction. In a family, there's always disagreements. I know that sometimes we argue, we complain, and sometimes we just don't like the other person at that moment. But a part of a family means that we work through those disagreements. We bring it all back to unity. We bring it all back to pursuing the same goal. And so with our spiritual friendships, with our spiritual relationships, may you give us diversity. May we not just always bond and talk to those who are, are just like us. That's really easy to do. It's uh, really easy to find ourselves in that comfort zone. But we want to have friends in our life that are willing to, to, uh, to rebuke us, that are willing to confront us, that are willing to be patient with us, that are willing to walk through life's difficult moments with us, who will rejoice with us and cry with us, we need spiritual friendships and spiritual relationships that we can study God's word together, that we can take steps of growth together, and that we can pray together and pursue you together. So Lord, would you raise those type of friendships and relationships up within this church? Help those who maybe tonight are just wondering and, and wanting for that to happen. Would you bring somebody into their life very soon that would open that door? Would we also be willing to be that investment in somebody else's life? Maybe even tonight, there's just people scattered around this room that are looking at their life and thinking, boy, wouldn't it be neat to just invest in a younger couple? 
maybe take somebody under our wings and kind of just pour some time into them and take them out to dinner, have some pizza with them, talk life experiences, share with them verses from God's word that transformed our way of thinking, that really gave us confidence in our parenting, that helped our marriage through some dark days, that gave us relief when we lost a loved one or hope when we lost our job. Maybe a young person in this room tonight just needs to get over that stump and that step that helps them to realize maybe they need to be more open with mom and dad or maybe pour their life out to somebody who is willing to hear and to keep them accountable. Maybe a single individual who is looking for more really genuine, authentic friendships. Would you bring somebody into their life? Even soon, may they be willing to be effective and, or effectual and passionate in their prayer for that. Lord, overall, as a church body tonight, we conclude with a, a consecration to you that says we offer ourselves to be aware that heaven, the view of heaven that day that John saw gives us a very realistic picture of what your family looks like. And so help us not to be arrogant in our old ways or prideful in the way we want it done. But may we look beyond ourselves to build spiritual friendships that are impactful for all eternity. So thank you for what you've taught us tonight. May we take it with us this week in Jesus' name.